Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. We are at the end of the Unforgillogy, as I'm trying to make that a thing. I know it doesn't really roll off the tongue at all, but the Unforgiven Trilogy. We are here at the third and final one, the Last Crusade, if you will. Although that, I guess that implies there would be an Unforgiven 4, which I hope there isn't. <laughs> as, uh, you know, I think Indy made a misstep there as well. But yeah, we are here. You know, we have came through. We had Ethan Luck on the first one. We had Aurelian on the second one. And just before we get to the day's game, I want to urge you to follow us at Metallica Pod. One of the things that I do over there is ask you to give your feedback on the songs. We've got lots of cool reviews to get into at the end of this episode on Unforgiven Free from all you listeners. Uh, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, you want to correspond, you want to come on, best way to do it is to email me through that. We've got the Patreon, we've got the iTunes, all of those available if you want to give back. Patreon as an RSS feed, so episodes like this and whatever else, our top fives or our um, going through Metallica support bands, you may have listened to that series recently, uh, that part two will be on there first. Um, yeah, you know, the stuff we always say, Spotify, YouTube, etc. But today I'm joined from Kentucky by Adil. Adil, how's it going? Doing well, how are you, Tom? I'm I'm good. I, you know, I got a little bit uh, rueful, a little bit sad that we're reaching the end of this Unforgiven trilogy. But uh, right, know, uh, yeah, yeah ha- happy to uh, happy to move on. Yourself and Metallica, Adil. Like, when did it first start? Do you remember the first time you heard them? Yes, um, <clears throat> my uh, my Metallica story goes back to middle school. Hmm. Um, I was in, I think, sixth grade, and. Uh, I know it's been mentioned on the show a couple of times, but Guitar Hero um, Mm -hmm. was actually what introduced me to the band. Um, One was the first Metallica song I ever heard um, on Guitar Hero 3, and it just, it blew my mind, you know, how um, a band could write a song that started out so slow and clean and gentle, and then by the end it was, you know, heavy and fast and angry, Mm. um, obviously with the machine gun riff at the end. Um, So, and... You know, Ride the Lightning um, was my first record that I bought, um, and I was I was hooked. The rest is history. Um, it's kind of funny because right around that time was actually when Guitar Hero Metallica came out. Um, but I actually started playing the guitar, so I never actually uh, got my Guitar Hero Metallica. Um, but uh, I, I just thought it was really cool that um, you know this band got their own video game, yeah. and I was kind of getting into them on my own. Um, so uh, that, that's kind of my Metallica story, Guitar Hero, and hearing one for the first time and, and all that good stuff. So, You know, I think there's so many people's first real band. Like, they're yeah. kind of the, the songs and the mythology is geared towards that. Like, myself kind of included, or I say for, like, your early band that as a music listener you kind of get into and is a gateway to lots of different things. And, oh, uh, absolutely. Y- yeah, we covered the uh, Guitar Hero game with Tommy recently on the channel as well. That was a really fun episode. And yeah, that, that that was a great game as well. An awesome advert. Like, hey, kids, like if you're not mm, too familiar right. with the back catalog, <laughs> you know, get used to it. Here's some iconography you might be familiar with. So pushing forward then with you as a fan of the band, and did you sort of from ride you know get your hands on a lot of different things or yeah um i got master uh not too long after that um i think i didn't go quite in order with the albums because i think I got like the black album and then like or justice in the black album and then like went back for kill them all um got load and reload um uh and got the other albums but yeah i mean it was it was kind of, I think, the typical uh, Metallica journey, you know, finding that one song and then getting your first album and then yeah. 
you know, <laughs> yeah, inevitably getting the rest of the uh, discography. Oh, yeah. It's an insatiable um, hunger, yeah, just to, to yeah. devour devour what's there. Now, getting into Unforgiven yeah. Free, how do yeah. you feel about song sequels and, you know, beyond, like, with the fucking trilogy going down right now with songs? Did you approve of that or? Right. Um, I actually never really encountered, like, um, you know, a song with its, like, sequels until uh, I heard, obviously, Metallica's Unforgiven mm-hmm. trilogy. Um, <clears throat> I am a huge fan of the first Unforgiven. I think it's hands down the best Unforgiven song. I think it's yeah. one of their best songs. Um, definitely my favorite song off the Black Album. Um, I think the Unforgiven 2 is... Uh, I like it a lot. It's different, which I think is the thing I appreciate about it the most. Um, just it's a completely different vibe. Sure. This one, I would say, is probably the weakest of the three um, for me personally. That being said, though, it is a killer song on a killer album. This is definitely musically one of my favorite moments on uh, Death Magnetic. Really? Yes. Okay. I don't mind this song. I couldn't. I can't agree with that though. I think, like, Broken Beat and Scarred, End of the Line, Cyanide, like, I don't know, there's a bit more exciting guitar work on those ones. And I think I'm thinking more um, in terms of, like, James's singing, in terms of, like, that kind of music, like, vocal melody. Because um, obviously, the, you know, the guitar parts are good in this song, but right. they're, they're just, you know, obviously they're not as um, kind of, uh, like... New, like new legend, new legends or classics as like yeah, they're not uh, as explosive. All Nightmare Long, or, yeah. right, right, yeah. All Night, yeah, All Nightmare Long is a good example. My Apocalypse as well. But we begin with the yeah. piano, which leads mm-hmm. us in. You know, reminds me a little bit. I don't know if you ever listened to any of Warren Ellis and Nick Cave's movie soundtrack work. Um, they've done, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, they've done like The Road, The Assassination of Jesse James, and stuff like that. Real talented musicians. He does the Dirty Free as well. Just you know, because the reason I bring that up because it's basically a mm-hmm. minute of instrumental yep. strings and this swoon very mournful kind of elegant swirl um what what do you make of the first minute of this um i really like it i think the uh orchestra thing it feels fresh but at the same time like it isn't because obviously this band has a history with performing with an orchestra um i think it's very in line with their whole approach with the death magnetic when they were making it you know kind of um, not 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 necessarily rehashing, but like revisiting old sure. elements of the band that um, you know that made yeah. them great. Trying to in the recapture first place. that, yeah, 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 exactly. Recapture mm-hmm. that um, that magic and that energy. Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel it with this intro. Um, it's a little. It was a little jarring when I first heard the song that there's no horn intro like the other two. Yeah. <laughs> but um, honestly, I think if anything, because I I do not mind the orchestral intro at all if anything i kind of wish they nixed the horn intro on unforgiven 2 and just kind of went into the song into that song because i think the horn intro works for the first one you have this orchestral for the third one and there really wasn't a need for it on the second one but you know it was just a signal wasn't it really that yeah, yeah. There's, there's a two on yeah. the end and yet yeah, we are going to be harking about with a lot of dna but speaking of that there isn't much <clears throat> unforgiven this in unforgiven free right there isn't um i think what, what the would most you say unf- is unforgivingly <laughs> about this like I, I guess you can speak about theme and whatever but musically right. there's there's no real cues is there i think the biggest thing musically that calls back to um the whole like unforgiven uh, ethos is the song structure um because yeah. it's a callback to the first one the mm-hmm. heavy uh verse and the soft chorus yeah sure. the, the verse riff especially is quite similar yeah in a, in a way yeah 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 mm-hmm. 
but uh, but yeah, I don't. Uh, the intro, I don't mind. The intro, I think, is a little indulgent for what it is. It's just a little bit too long for me. You know, there is some lower notes rumbling, a kind of solemn squall to the thing that kind of picks up, and there's a few kind of contemporary horns there that yawn and release. And the first minute of the song is quite quite ambient and um, mm-hmm. quite quite mysterious and enigmatic. But then we get in with the guitar playing which is mm-hmm. kind of circling around that open note and kind of pulling back and then the second guitar comes on pulsing with that arpeggio thread like you know uh, mm-hmm. how do you find yep. that section as kirk and james come into the fray um like i said i really like james's vocals uh, throughout this entire song it's definitely i think a vocal highlight for me on the mm-hmm. album um and i like that uh like E octave thing that uh, James is playing in the main riff and then um, into like in the intro and then into the um, the main riff uh, during the verse because I think right. it, um, it it connects the end of the verse to the beginning of the chorus well and you know like we said this song calls back to the first unforgiven with the uh, heavy verse and the soft chorus and I think they make those transitions work well because if you're gonna do that you need you you know you need those smooth transitions to make the song flow well so mm-hmm. i think they pulled that off pretty well and you know in terms of the imagery of the song uh very much in the nautical sense of the word you know uh, right <laughs> of sea ships and, and waves and mouth full of water and like i appreciate the different direction you know it's not just kind of leaning into that unforgiven ethos to a certain extent it's branching out but still embodying a lot of the themes of the songs Right. Um, I get this imagery of like a ship lost at sea. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's fresh. You know, I think it's new. Mm-hmm. Um, you had these, I feel like very, um, I guess not as like vivid uh, imagery in the first two. It was, they were very personal songs, especially that first, uh, mm-hmm. the first Unforgiven was just so like, so unprecedented in the um, band's catalog because it was such a personal song. And um it's nice to have, I think, something to you can actually visualize with this one. Um, so again, like a ship lost at sea, um, lots of like feelings of, I think, loneliness and um, kind of isolation, and you know, trying to find yourself. Um, and actually, in an uh, in an interview, uh, Mission Metallica, uh, basically like a Death Magnetic track by track. Um, it was James and Rob that were yeah, kind of commenting. Yeah. yeah, and James actually says, um, you know, it's it's interesting that the unforgiven um is kind of one of the songs and or like the only song really in uh metallic's catalog that uh continues in somewhat of a storyline about sin and consequence forgiveness and unforgiveness um asking for forgiveness not being able to forgive yourself um so again the whole like feeling lost uh maybe abandoned um trying to see if you can forgive yourself for your sins and you know kind of go from there um i think is really interesting and the actual chorus itself, the how can I be lost if I've got nowhere to go, that is some of the hookiest shit Metallica have ever written. Oh, absolutely. Real uh, earworm, so... isn't it? Real addictive melody. It's so simple, yet mm. it's so effective. Yeah. There's a searching yeah. quality to it. Uh, a real real lyrical appeal. Uh, even like even like the slightly duff lyric search for seas of gold uh, doesn't tarnish it for me because it's just that kind of that 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 swing to it that right. I do really appreciate. Um, and the song is you know thrown together to a certain extent. It's slightly bolted on for me in terms of I, don't, I just don't find too much of the guitar that memorable. And I've got to say I do find the verse riff 
almost a little intrusive. It's almost like it's mm-hmm. fighting Hetfield. Uh, like, what is actually leading this verse? Is it this verse riff that kind of, because of the Death Magnetic production, is a little clumsy in the mix and quite high? Or is it Hetfield singing? I, I don't know if you feel the same way. Um, I agree um, to a certain extent. I think the thing that really not only saves this song from you know maybe having somewhat um especially relatively speaking somewhat mediocre uh music especially with the guitars um is just and and brings this song i think above and beyond and one of my favorites from this album is james's delivery Mm. um because it you know his vocals have only gotten better um as they've kind of progressed through their uh discography and um you know it's amazing that even you know 10 years ago and even today uh, or like in the last couple of years with hardwired and um even today he's just he's one of those few metal singers that has um maintained his voice and not only that i think in a way gotten better and more comfortable with um with his singing yeah yeah he's definitely developed a grain you know a sense of maturity but not kind of sacrificed it to any sense of you know legibility uh, completely exactly he's aged really yeah. well um and you know around the four and a half minute mark the song gets a little bit more meditative uh kind mm-hmm. of b- builds on james guitar kirk the lead is kind of spotted as if it's in the bushes approaching menacingly james is talking about forgive me and, and vamping on that idea and as james screeches uh kirk kind of raises to the rises to the occasion as well there's kind of a flurry of quite unforgiving harsh solo notes um yep. so, about this before on Unforgiven 2 uh, and Kirk's mm-hmm. solo on that because obviously Unforgiven 1 has like one of the legendary Kirk solos I've called it a Hollywood solo you know it's one of these kind of yep. guitar theatrics we've all seen Bob Rock coaxing out of him and it's you know magnificent sequence and the result is breathtaking this solo to me um, yeah just uh, uh, you know very unremarkable <laughs> it doesn't do it for you no no not at all um, I will say this the solo is okay for me um at first, you're right. It, Kirk really is just kind of doing this like meandery, shreddy thing where it's just a lot of noise with obviously a lot of wah. <laughs> it's not very melodic. Um, but I like, um, I think it's around like around six minutes into the song. So like probably halfway into the solo. He actually starts matching the rhythm riffs underneath. Um, and it sounds really melodic and it just sounds really cool. And um, I think it has more uh, uh, more teeth at that point. Um it's kind of interesting, though, because on the album, that's how I feel about the song. I'm not really digging the solo until, like, uh, about halfway into it. Mm. I rewatched the uh, performance they did of it um, about a year ago, actually, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Right. And this is, like, the first time they played it in, like, eight years or something. And I actually really liked the performance. I thought uh, even, like, the, you know, the... Uh, kind of haphazard like shreddy parts that kirk does at the beginning i thought that even sounded good so um i don't know if it's just a death magnetic production thing or sure. you know versus a live thing but um that's kind of how i feel about the solo yeah that was september 6th last year 2018 at the yeah so just yeah. a little over a year ago yeah yeah 10 times i played this song live that's all which i yeah which i thought was crazy because yeah. i could have sworn they played it a lot more than that on the world magnetic tour but I guess not. <laughs> yeah, got very few airings. Got pretty much all overseas airings, like in Tokyo and Lyon, France, and uh, Melbourne. And then, yeah, dusted off, of course, for the recent SNM2 shows as well. 
Yes. Um, I saw a clip on YouTube of that and it wasn't the best quality because obviously they haven't released the, um, like the film and concert yeah. that, or in uh, theaters that they're going to do next month, um, which I'm going to go see, which I'm really Me excited too. for. Yeah, I'm seeing it in yeah. Oxford. Yeah. Um, but from what I did see, like just fan videos on YouTube, I really liked the arrangement. I thought it was um, a good a good time to let James's uh, voice shine yeah, um, with yeah. the orchestra. Guitarless yeah. James, kind of out yeah. the open there. Yeah, fragile <laughs> yeah. and uh, vulnerable. I appreciate that. And yeah, I mean, just on the solo as well. To me, it's just slightly too repetitive. Um, there's yeah. some you know wide note choices in terms of the interval, but they're not really brave or interesting. It's just kind of to make the solo seem a little bit more tangible perhaps uh, lots of blues box rhythms as well with the wah to accentuate that you know this isn't um house of pain by van halen like that ends with a blues box solo and eddie's just going mental in the sequence this though right. just feels a bit overlong overwrought um and you know james again sings well as you say and slightly rescues it for me but i've got to say altogether, this might mm. be the weakest song on death magnetic for me overall okay um, I think I personally would give that to Suicide and Redemption. Okay, that um, okay, okay, non instrumental. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but non instrumental. Um, I mean, I do like I do like this song. So I think if I had to like rank them all, maybe like just in terms of what's technically the best, this might be kind of at the lower end of the list. But that being said, I mean. I love Death Magnetic. I love pretty much every track on that album. Um, it is one of my favorite Metallica albums of all time. So really underrated album, I think. I uh, yeah, absolutely. Just, if I people so. go back and kind of analyze some of those songs, the way they're put together, it is yeah, uh, you're pretty astonishing. As always, guys, we go to Twitter at Metallica Pod. Uh, what did you think of Unforgiven Free? Tommy says phenomenal. The intro is so beautiful. Has easily one of my favorite Kirk solos, and James's vocals and lyrics are beautiful. Bozo says, love, 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 Unforgiven. Um, the way the solo ends up following the melody at one uh, point with more Alibois, that line about intoxicating the whole sale theme. What a song. Awesome trilogy as well. Not a dud song of the three. Aurelian says, not a big fan of the guitar lines in the chorus, but the intro and the building in the middle section, forgive me, forgive, are great. They could have finished the song by extending the middle, middle section because the solo is forgettable and overlong. The song is too long. Ralph says at the moment I would say this is my favourite of the three especially after hearing their rendition at SNN2 no horn at the beginning no problem as the orchestration really adds something to the intro love how they take the final installment in a different direction including the seafaring metaphors and the lyrics James's vocal approach on this one kills and Kirk has quite the solo during this excellent tune and Dante finally says weak uh, what about yourself any closing thoughts on this track uh, Adil? Um, the only other thing I think I would say is something that you kind of hinted at at the beginning, um, you know, the possibility of an Unforgiven 4. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I'd be open to it, but I, I only if they can pull it off so that it makes the trilogy, and at that point it wouldn't be a trilogy anymore, but they make it part of the, like, fit into the series seamlessly. And obviously musically, it's, you know, very mature, um, it sounds like thematically and musically it fits into um, the series of songs. Mm. Um, it's kind of interesting that they've released an Unforgiven on every other album um, since the Black Album. So, yeah. I mean, technically, you know, they did on Death Magnetic. They didn't do one on Hardwired. So who knows if they do another album, maybe there will be. Um, an, an the Unforgiven, right? Exa yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past them. I wouldn't put it past them. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Why not? Why not? Deep down, but uh, yeah, guys, let us know what you thought about Unforgiven Free MetallicaPodigyMod.com in the comments down below uh, on iTunes, Spotify, all that sort of stuff. We'll close with a few quick fire questions to deal. The first of which being your sure. favorite Metallica song. Ooh, um, that is a tough one because that changes. I feel like for me every week. Um, but just off the top of my head, uh, Fade to Black, Orion, Freight Ends of Sanity, Disposable Heroes, Fixer, Bleeding Me, The First Unforgiven, really any of those. I, I think for me, you can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say right now though, my uh, one Metallica song I've been listening to a lot is uh, their cover of Iron Maiden's uh, "Remember Tomorrow." Oh yeah. Yeah, on the uh, like hardwired uh, yeah, yeah. D- deluxe album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is a killer cover. That is an awesome song. Um, it sounds really good, and I'm just I've been listening to it like on loop uh, this past week. And what about Alba by the band? Um. Well, you're not gonna be crazy about this answer, <laughs> but <laughs> I would definitely say Load and Reload are tied for um, my favorite album. Wow, of Metallica's. I think I like Reload a hair better, just because I think it's a little bit darker and a little heavier than Load to me. But um, they're pretty much tied for first. Uh, better than master though you think load is better than master of puppets so this is the way i kind of uh see it and justify it Mm. It, to me it's not about like what's technically the best because if if we're talking about technically the best i would say songs i'm not talking about technicality i'm pure pure songwriting pure songwriting i would have to go with load and reload um the thing that does it for me is just how introspective and personal James got on these two albums, obviously also on the black album, but I think more so with, uh, with load and reload. They're just more, I think colorful um, kind of different albums for me. I like that they have so much variety, um, but you know, if we're talking about their thrash albums, master is my favorite. Definitely uh, death magnetic um, is one of my favorites. So. And a favorite member of the band. Um, my immediate answer would probably be James, um, just cause you know, his life story is just yeah. so fascinating to me <laughs> and is, extremely yeah. relatable. Yeah. Um, I've found so much inspiration just in his, you know, lyrics and songwriting. Um, and I really look up to him as, uh, both a musician and a person. There, need, there needs to be um, a statue of him in Downey, I think. There really does. <laughs> or, like, maybe you know, there yeah. is already, but they're totally... Like, you know, in England, like, you go around to all these towns like Liverpool, and there's, like, statues of people you've never heard of from the 20s. It's like, put a fucking Hetfield statue of right now, like... Yeah, right? People are go, um, it's like an Instagram spot, like, fucking long yeah. live hat, like... And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt that he's such a damn talented uh, rhythm guitar player and vocalist. Yeah, <laughs> outrageous. <laughs> One of the so groundbreaking, like... Yeah, one of the best riff writers in in oh, in history, in the history, in of history, guitar. probably yeah. like top two. Yeah, like just yeah, no, pretty untouchable in terms of the genius that have come from those yeah. two hands. Yeah, so Hetfield is uh, a fair choice. What about seeing them live? Have you seen the band live at all? I have. Um, I saw them on the uh, uh, Hardwired tour uh, this past leg in North America. Okay, yeah, um, both in uh, Louisville and Indianapolis. Okay, well, have so, we, was there a better yep. show? Were they both firing the, both nights? Or? Um, there were definitely uh, positives for each of the shows. Sure. I, I mean, they played um, Fight Fire with Fire in Indianapolis, which 
I mean, that's probably my favorite song off Ride the Lightning, right. so that was definitely a treat for me to see. And um, finally then, if you were to do a podcast like this about a band you love, what's a band you'd like to cover? Um, I feel like there's a couple bands um, I would like to to do, like mm. an alphabetical, um, you know, uh, catalog review oh, yeah. of, um, just off the top of my head, I, I think I would love to do like a Megadeth one, mm. a Guns N' Roses one, mm. um, an Iron Maiden one, a Queens of the Stone Age one. <laughs> Yo, a Queens of the Stone Age <laughs> one would be good, yeah. Yeah, there definitely needs to be. Um, just a Queens of the Stone Age podcast. They're, dirt, I mean, they're so dirt. because it's funny you mention that because um, I just recorded an episode this morning that will be out by the time this goes live about all the support bands that Metallica have had and uh, yeah. Kaya supported Metallica. Um, That's right. Yeah, on the Australian leg. Yeah, and uh, there's like their whole sets are online. I've been watching them and stuff. And uh, yeah, Queens for me, rated R, Lullabies to Paralyze, Songs for the Deaf. That that free run of albums is just they're just masterpiece. Masterpiece. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and yep. yeah, there needs to be a, and you could talk about like them crooked vultures and Caius and all the spin-offs and yeah. someone out there, please do a Queens of the Stone Age podcast. <laughs> I need to hear that right now. There's just too way too much content, you know, yeah. for there not to be. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. those are some good answers, man. And I guess finally, like um, anything you'd like to promote yourself? Um, nah, nothing over here. Um, if you haven't already, go buy tickets for uh the uh. Uh, screening of yep. S&M 2 in theaters if you know they're not sold out already of course but definitely looking forward to that um, October 9th it's going to be a uh, hell of a show mm-hmm. well guys um, you know as always check out for more episodes coming soon on the channel uh, after this we've got the unnamed feeling until it sleeps the view and the wait that's the next fortnight on the show uh, go to the Patreon, subscribe if you want to listen to the episodes before anyone else iTunes is there please leave us a 5 star review if you'd be so kind um, yeah, check out the other Unforgiven editions we've done and all the other songs as well. Crazy to think this is the 150th episode of Alf Metallica in terms of the songs we've been reviewing. We're almost there, guys. The end is in sight. It's about 165 odd or something like that. So, yeah, we're getting there very slowly but very surely. So, yeah, this has been Tom. Adil, thank you again. This has been great. Thanks for having me, Tom. <laughs>